Welcome to the Bard and Bible, a conversational devotional about scripture, life, and ministry from the perspective of a tabletop missionary still trying to figure out what those words actually mean when you string them together. There's a seat by the fire over there, and it looks like things are just about to get started. Tonight's tale, The Pain You Can't Shake. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Perna, your resident dwarf bard, here with another tale at the Bard and Bible. I hope you don't mind if I sound a bit uncomfortable and more than a little tired, but to say that this week leading up to this recording has been a difficult one would be an understatement worthy of legend. Tuesday night, my wife went to bed in a small amount of pain, enough that was annoying to her, but nothing she thought a good night's sleep wouldn't fix. However, at 4 a.m. the next morning, she woke up with a shot. She was in excruciating pain, and before my mind even had a chance to fully understand what my body was doing on reflex, we were on our way to the emergency room. We ended up going to the ER twice that day. I can count on the number of hours of sleep I got across those two days on one hand and change. And much of that time was spent on a folding chair in a hospital hallway next to my wife's bed. Between the trips to the ER, the recovery period for the two of us the following day, as we tried vainly to recuperate from intense lack of sleep, and some follow-up appointments with our local doctor, it's been one of those weeks. Before I go much farther, let me say that Suze is getting better. She's still in a bunch of pain, but the medication she's been given is doing wonders to help with that. Between the folks at the ER and our doctor, we've pretty much eliminated anything that's altogether serious. She had to go through a pile of tests and scans and x-rays and all that, but they didn't find anything that really had them concerned. That means, however, that we're currently in this weird sort of middle space. We're relieved that there isn't anything major going on that could do lasting damage, but we also have no idea what is actually causing the pain that's still lingering, even though she's under some pretty intense pain meds. If we knew what it was, it could be addressed, if not fixed completely. We could take the necessary steps to move forward towards a goal. In the middle place... There's not anything we can really do. There's no goal to run towards. No action steps. It's just, take these pain meds when you need them and rest when you can. Hopefully one day it'll just get better. I'm going to let you know that, and I know this isn't hard to explain to people, there are few things more infuriating than seeing somebody you love in pain and knowing there's absolutely nothing you can do to make them better. Yeah, I can make her comfortable, make it so she doesn't have to get up and move any any more than she has to, drive her to doctor's appointments, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, she's still in pain. I still see her brow furrow with pain as she shifts in a way that her body doesn't like. I still see I still hear her say Ow! Randomly, 
when her body decides it's going to remind her that things still aren't the way they're supposed to be. Pain always sucks, but pain that can't be addressed, pain that at best can be delayed or hidden, what happens to that? I told you guys in the last tale that I I wanted to hear your stories and add your voices to the telling. This, however, is the first episode that somebody actually took me up on that offer, and I'm glad that he did. When I start quoting scriptures here, start challenging us to follow God in the face of pain, his story brings so much light to this situation that it will illuminate all the things I've been thinking about when preparing for this tale in a way that few other things can. Ryan Lubert, I'm really sorry if I mispronounced your name, I've only got the text here and phonics on something like this can be pretty hard. But anyway, Ryan has fibromyalgia. I've known a couple people who have it, and yet I still don't know all the ins and outs of what exactly happens with this disease. But I'll try to break it down in the most basic of concepts for you. Your muscles hurt, even when there's no earthly reason for them to hurt. It's not from too much activity, or even too little activity, like when I spend too much time sitting at my computer at work and doing inroad stuff and, and it hurts to get up. It's just the sheer act of being that causes them to hurt. On top of that, he also has arthritis, and is a guy who is even now wearing compression gloves to battle joint pain, and I don't have fibromyalgia. It's not good. This is, this is pain upon pain upon pain. While I'm not going to minimize what Susan's going through, she'll get better. The pain she's feeling will stop with time. Ryan's probably won't, in all honesty. But that's not all. You ready for the kicker here? There are actually medicines to help with fibromyalgia. They don't always work the way people want them to be. They don't completely eliminate the pain. But it'll generally help the person at least to the degree that they'll be able to maintain functionality to, to be, a, you know, just like anybody else in normal society. But like most medications, there are side effects. And apparently there are some real doozies with these meds that Ryan gets. Ryan, in his own words, is one of those guys that have thoughts of suicide triggered by taking this medication. So what's the guy left with? His options are live a life that is filled with constant pain and fatigue that make even the most basic things difficult, or take medicine that might dull that pain so long as he's able to fight back the suicidal thoughts that start running through his mind because of it. Folks, this is the quintessential lose-lose here. This is the point where some well-meaning folks will want to encourage and lift him up. And and I completely get that. They'll say things like, God has a purpose for this. Lean on his strength to get you through this, they'll add. But even though I agree 100% that those statements are true, I'm not here to give you either of those. God is certainly not blindsided by this pain, and he is in the habit of making miraculous things happen out of suffering. 
It's the whole redeeming aspect of his character. God is certainly stronger than we will ever be, and he wants us to lean on him. But the times when we are able to lean on God the most are often tied to situations when we are so desperate that there is absolutely no other option. God's great like that, but I also don't wish being in that place on anyone. So what am I going to say? What passage will I talk about here? I could go with some of the standards, go with Job's pain, lessons on God's authority, and ultimate restoration. I could go with Habakkuk on the wall, looking at the incoming oppressors that God practically laid out the red carpet for. But instead, I'm going to take us to a story that we love to look at. And I'm going to spend some time on one fraction of one verse right in the middle of that story that we don't really like to dwell on. Because that's where the true beauty of the telling actually lives. It's the story of three guys named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Don't worry, this is not another episode where I reference some obscure Bible character you've never heard of before. You know these guys. But you probably know them by their other names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We love talking about these guys facing Nebuchadnezzar in his fiery furnace. We love the story about how they, they look into the flames and see not three men, but four. And how they come out without their clothes even singed or even smelling of smoke. But there's this one little line in the middle of the story, right before they're tossed in, that always gets me. It's not even a full sentence. It's just an introductory clause. But it changes everything. It'll be slightly different depending on which translation you're looking at, but it'll be something along the lines of, but even if he doesn't. Standing above the flames so hot that men died just even bringing them there, the three men were given their last shot to turn and save their lives. In Daniel 3, verses 16 to 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if he does not, even if he never takes the pain away, even if he doesn't end the frustration, even if he leaves me here in this pit of awful, even if everything around me makes me feel like God has left me here to die, and there's never going to be anything but this for the rest of my days, he's still worth following. In our retelling of this story, we always want to run to the part where God does save them, the part where God does swoop in and very tangibly removes the trial from them. But he doesn't always do that, does he? It doesn't mean he's less God than he was before. It doesn't mean he's somehow caught unaware or impotent to stop your suffering. It just means that taking you out was not on the menu. 
I can't even begin to understand that. I'm not here to explain that away or, or make it less awful than it sounds because I can't. I have no tools to, to even begin to speak into that. In my head and in my own logic, it doesn't make sense. But in what will quickly become a trend around here at the B&B, at, at least I think it will, God's much bigger and stranger and more beautiful than I will ever be able to see or conceive. And I'm actually quite okay with the idea that he boggles my mind at times. Guys, I don't live in this place, so I'm not here to explain to you how to be there. I'm not even in the neighborhood of this place. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you'll occasionally see me leave that clause as a status. But even if he doesn't. That's basically my shorthand for the fact that I'm in the middle of something that positively infuriates me. And I need to remind myself that God's goodness is not tied to my circumstance. It's not easy. But that doesn't mean it's not true, either. If I'm to give you anything concrete in this episode, it's just to to know that there have been so many people throughout the biblical narrative that have been in the middle of hell, and they call out to God, and they don't know how that answer is going to happen. Read the Psalms that David wrote, David running from people who want to kill him on all sides, writes just gut-wrenching Psalms crying out to God wondering why he left them there to die. And yet, every one of those psalms, despite the frustration, despite the anger and the resentment that God left him there, every one of them says, and yet I will still praise you. I hope and I pray that someday we'll all get there. That even in the midst of our frustration, we remember that we can call out to God and that regardless of where we find ourselves, he is still worthy of praise. I want to end this with the same sentiment I left Ryan when he commented in the tavern. I want to commend him. I commend his honesty in this struggle and his willingness to step into it and say, yeah, I get frustrated and angry at times, but God is still worth everything I have. It's a place you can only find when you are so close to where God really lives. And I want to thank him for sharing that with me and with us. Ryan really is a dwarf bard. Even if we don't understand the whys, hows, and whatevers of how his story works, it is very much worth the telling. And I think it's one that we're going to be chewing on for a while, or at least I know I am, until someday I find myself in that same place where I can look and say, even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. That is a hard place to live, but it's what we're called to. Go out and tell your own story, and I'll see you back here in a couple weeks. It just goes to show you folks that not every one of these is going to have gaming references, but... 
I still hope that you find some value in what I'm talking about here, and I really hope that God speaks to you in this. Like I said, this one came directly from one of our regulars in the tavern, and I really will continue to do this uh, literally every weekend leading up to these episodes. I'm going to put a post in the tavern, our Facebook group, and let you guys know what the tale is going to be and encourage you guys to share your own stories, share your own insights and thoughts, because I want this a place that you can hang out as much as it is a place where I get to share what I'm going through. If there's any topic you want me to talk about, anything you'd like me to address, I'd be happy to put it in here. Uh, You can either get in touch with me when I put up these posts in the tavern, or you can email me at mike at inroadsministries.com and just let me know that you want to talk about Bard and Bible so I can separate it from the other emails I get at that address. Folks, I look forward every time to giving you more content here. There's plenty of stuff that we're doing for the ministry that I want you to get involved with, like TavernCon. And you can find out all about that on our website, inroadsministries.com. And I hope that you will continue to be a part of this ever-growing community of regulars.